Hey, 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 welcome to another Pastor Duke podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And I pray God's going to use me today to stir you up. I pray that he'll use me to strengthen you in the battles that you face and to expose the fakes that are all around us. We were told clearly 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that in the time of the end, many would fall away, apostatize, turn away from the truth, water it down. And I pray today God will use me to strengthen you to be an exception. I don't even think it's a rule, but just to stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. The title of my message today is Counter Culture Living. I'm stealing this great title from my pastor's message yesterday at the Tabernacle Church in Sarasota, Florida. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne Kitchens. Uh, if you haven't uh, noticed, there's a whole lot going down for America these past few weeks. There is surely a reason why America does not appear in biblical prophecy as a major player in the end times scenario. For the globalist, one world government of the Antichrist to become a reality, America must cease to be all that we have been for these past 80 years since World War II, the dominant kid on the block, the world's policeman, as it were. I believe with a broken American heart, but a celebrating Jesus heart. Let me say that again. I have a broken American heart, but I have a celebrating Jesus heart that the beginning of the end has come to our once powerful and mostly Christian nation. I said mostly. There's always been corruption in this country. But Obama said, with glee, with glee, he said, we're no longer a Christian nation. And unfortunately, I think he was right on that one. I believe our time as a greatest nation on the earth has passed. The nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. Our sins have found us out. We are now reaping what ha we have sown. Our chickens have come home to roost. A whole lot of bad realities have fallen upon our country these past few weeks. Smaller banks are falling like dominoes, uh, all caving into a one central banking system. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell announced last week the rollout of our new digital currency. <laughs> kind of sounds like Revelation 13 becoming our reality. And of course, that will soon be followed by a personal digital ID, which I don't think is the mark of the beast, but it clearly is a forerunner of the mark of the beast. It's what they're talking about publicly. This all used to be called conspiracy theory today. It is our in-our-face reality. Government will soon be in control of all of our money. And they say, of course, it's for our own good. I don't believe a word they're saying about the motives. Uh, we'll leave that to God. Hugely on the world's front, China has brokered what I see as the backbreaker deal to the U.S. dollar. As uh, G of China, Putin of Russia have uh, united BRICS, which stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, to abandon the U.S. dollar as the global currency of trade. 
I'm afraid that's going to bring us down. Economists have said it would for years and years, and now it has happened, and the mainstream media has completely ignored it. Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq have jumped on board immediately, as have most of the African nations. Quite simply, the nations of the world have had enough of the U.S. bullying and have united against us. Our enemies don't fear us and our allies don't trust us. The recently leaked U.S. top-secret security documents that have leaked out have proven to the world the U.S. is a corrupt and greedy, warmongering monster on the world front, and the world has spoken, we are done with you. And I'm afraid that's what we deserve. The documents prove we have spied on our allies. Um, We have fostered color revolutions in many countries, including Israel, as we speak. Netanyahu has spoken out against our global corrupt administration. All of the peace initiatives Trump brokered in the Middle East during his uh, time in office, they called it the Abrahamic Accord, have been trashed by the Biden regime. The $125 billion of our U.S. taxpayers' money given to secure the border of Ukraine has now been wasted, most of it laundered into the hands of corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs. Ukraine is about to fall. One-third of our former military left behind in Afghanistan may soon be in the hands of Russia. How about that? Our military is woke and it is weakened. Our CIA, DOJ, FBI, all corrupted. Our judiciary, mostly corrupted. Criminals go free, catch and release. No bail any longer. Innocent patriots, however, (laughs) they're litigated uh, Uh, They're censored on on the mainstream media. Uh, We're censored on social media, just like Scripture promised in the times of the end. They'll say that evil is good and good is evil. Well, that's enough for now for all the corruption uh, around us, all the demonic sexual gender diaspora all around us. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? as followers of Jesus. Some doomsday sayers suggest uh, we build a fortified compound, store up food and water, have uh, backup systems for heat, for electricity, arm yourselves with lots of guns and lots of ammo, and wait till Jesus comes. Defend yourself. Well, that's not how I feel Uh, led to face what's uh, before us in this last day scenario, to face what seems to be inevitable. I surely do believe in preparedness. Joseph was used of God to prepare the nations for famine that they knew were coming. I do believe in uh, some preparedness, food, water, shelter. That's common sense. Our great-grandparents all lived that way. But I see our best preparedness is spiritual preparedness. I believe two big words that would come from the lips of Jesus if he were to come and speak to you and I face-to-face about 
what we are, are facing in our world today, I think he would say, as he said so many times when he was here last time, these two words, fear not. And then I think perhaps he'd add four more words. <laughs> I am with you. You see, that, my friends, will be our victory. <laughs> He's with us. We have nothing to fear in Christ. Maybe some things to be a little bit nervous about as we watch things encroaching, but our victory is in Jesus. That will be what carries us through till the time he chooses to return and deliver us from this present evil world, Galatians 1.4. Until then, never forget, greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. Until then, he's called us to be salt. That kind of stings a little bit. <laughs> he's called us to be light and then love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. So we're going to have to be a, a, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We're going to have to be willing to live counterculturally. The only thing that uh, goes downstream are dead fish. The only thing you find in the middle of the road are dead skunks and yellow lines. That's not our calling. We're to be salt. We're to be light. We're to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works. <laughs> I love what Pastor Kitchens admonished. Prepare yourselves for cross-culture living. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. You know, this is nothing new for the church of Jesus. His church uh, overthrew the pagan world it faced for its first 300 years. The church of Jesus overcame that. They overcame 300 years of nearly constant persecution. Christ's church conquered the dark ages as spiritual heroes rose up in their time, many of whom were martyred, all to get the written word of God uh, printed, uh, uh, the first printing, uh, the first book printed on the Gutenberg Press, the word of God, the light of God's word back into the hands of common people almost immediately ended the dark ages. The Soviet Union fell, but the Russian Orthodox Church did not fall. While the Communist Chinese Party dominates about 1.3 billion uh, Chinese people with its aggressive atheism, still, all the while, the underground church of Jesus continues to multiply among the Chinese people. Though uh, many radical Islamic regimes rule across a lot of this globe today with iron fist against their own citizens, the underground church of Jesus can't be driven away or stamped out. Many Muslims are finding Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. I bring this up. I bring up these courageous last days believers in Russia, in China, among Islamic nations to praise our God for their fearlessness and shame. Much of the so-called American church leaders, American churches where wimpiness and murmuring prevail and looking for how to uh, stand for Jesus, but avoid conflict at any cost, watering things down. All the while, they are dying for the exclusivity of Jesus in these hard places. Many so-called American Christian leaders are dancing around 
any biblical controversies. Watering down the word of God, sucking up to the LGBTQ community. Shame on you, Joe Olstein. Shame on you, Andy Stanley, as you have uh, been lured into wokeism. And now you guys mock the very men and women of God who stand against uh, this evil of the world. And you have sucked up and joined them in so many ways to avoid persecution. Shame on you guys. You will stand soon before the Lord for the heresies that you have adopted and the word of God that you have compromised. You have weakened uh, many believers. You have deceived and you have misled. And when I look back into church history, I see the apostles who face persecution as a privilege and not as a problem. They were armed by the mind of Christ. They were armed with the power of the Holy Spirit, which gave them boldness to stand. Political correctness meant nothing to them. Pleasing any evil crowd had no appeal. They were overwhelmed by the grace of God which had been revealed to them. The gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, dominated their minds. They didn't fall for the satanic gifts of materialism, popularity, and power that he offers those who choose to follow him. They saw through the devil's lies. They celebrated God's revealed truths. They loved Jesus more than they loved their own lives. That was the work of the Holy Spirit in their day, and the Holy Spirit hasn't changed a bit. They were endued with power after the Holy Spirit came upon them to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. It was said later the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church. Barely had 30 years passed when the enemies of the church cried out, as recorded in Acts 17, verse 6. They turned the world upside down, and the pagans weren't too happy about it. All that pagan Roman forum where they tried, convicted, condemned the Apostle Paul to a death of beheading in the year 312 A.D. The Edict of Milan was signed in the same city, in the same forum, and Christianity was embraced as the official religion of the Roman Empire. Last time I was in Rome... Last time I was at the ruins of the forum, I was teaching the next generation of Christian leaders on a Bible college study trip when God said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. He meant it, and they proved it. Let me say that again. God meant it, and they proved it. Let that historical fact sink in. Let's not have our eyes on the problems that the devil puts in our face. Let's have our eyes on the problem solver. We must likewise be armed with the mind of Christ. We must likewise put on our spiritual armor given unto us in Ephesians chapter 6. First of all, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We're on the offensive, not on the defensive. We have the 
shield of faith whereby we are able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have our loins girt up with the truth of God's eternal Word. Nobody can put the armor on for you. I admonish you, Christian friend, take it seriously. Get in the word of God. Arm yourselves with all the spiritual armor God has offered to us. Listen to our Lord's promise of the enemy's soon demise. Jesus told Satan clearly, you're going down. You'll spend a thousand years in a bottomless pit before I will fling you into the lake of fire prepared for you and your angels, where the smoke of your torment will ascend up forever. The Antichrist torment, the false prophet's torment, and every Christ rejecter's torment will ascend up forever and ever. Let Jesus remind you who wins in the end. The victory is not in jeopardy at all. It's only a matter of time. Yes, today's corruption in government is great. Yes, today's threat of war and financial collapse is real. Yes, the Sodomites are breathing down our throats, condemning us, threatening us. Yes, our voices are trying to be silenced by the evil one. Yes, we can see it all as a great giant that we have to fight. But as the shepherd boy David saw his giant that he faced, Goliath, he saw Goliath as too big to miss. He knew the battle was not his. He knew the battle was the Lord's. David was placed by God on his battlefield. So are you and I placed by God on our last day's battlefield. David in his day, you and I in our day. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Peter, who history records, was soon to be crucified upside down, for he felt himself unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Savior Jesus was. He was writing to those who had been forced uh, to scatter, who were under persecution, um, for the uh, from the early Jewish persecutions, with Satan was able to escalate uh, later into Roman persecutions against the church. Uh, just as Jesus promised, they would suffer persecution. They too were a bit insecure with what they faced, as we can be with our eyes off of the Lord, insecurity will set in quickly, I promise you. Many of these early sufferers for the cross, ooh, I think that's a phrase we need to bring back into our Christian vocabulary. Sufferers for the cross may have been feeling, uh, hey, hey, I, I, I didn't sign up for this. They could have uh, remained comfortable in their little Jewish enclaves, their little neighborhoods, and have chosen not to follow Christ, but they chose eternal comforts over temporary comforts. They chose rather to die, if necessary, for the truth of God's word than to live in the contemporary lies of false religion. Yes, they were weary in well-doing, 
they were a little weary in the onslaught of evil that they faced, but they were not alone. Bottom line is Jesus was with them. (laughs) Bottom line is Jesus is with us. I have my Bible open to 1 Peter chapter 4, and I would remind you, this is not Peter speaking to his contemporaries. Uh, Kind of it is, but it's even more than that. It's God speaking to them as they were a little bit unnerved by what they were facing. Many people are coming to me now in the light of prophetic fulfillment, and they're a little bit nervous. What do I do? Do I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do I, uh, where do I invest? Do I buy gold? Do I buy silver? Well, wait a minute. Here's God talking to people in the early days as they were suffering persecution. Let me tell you, there is a, a message for us who live in the last days facing perhaps some persecution. Mind you, the persecution is already here for the churches in Islamic lands. It's already here for our Chinese brothers and sisters um, in Christ. He says, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. He's our example. We're not above our master. He counted a privilege to suffer uh, for us, that his sacrifice would become our salvation. How about this? Maybe our sacrifice uh, for him in the last days can be used of God to bring salvation uh, to others who know him not. Uh, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us, let that sink in. Arm yourselves likewise. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow his example. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Likewise with the same mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. For he that hath suffered in the flesh, Jesus, has ceased from sin. It's amazing as this persecution comes upon us, God kind of makes us a promise here. This problem is going to be kind of a sin problem solver. It seems like there's a little bit of help for the daily sins that I face, the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life every day. When real problems come, persecution comes, really being tested, it seems to kind of deliver us from the power of sin. Man, I love that, and I need that. That ye no longer should live in the rest uh, of your time in the flesh to the lust of men, but the will of God. These problems, these trials will lift us up above the, the everyday lust of our flesh. For the time past of your life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, back in the old days, I walked in the lust of excess wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries. That's the way we lived without Christ, and they're watching us. And they're seeing that we're called deplorable. They're seeing that uh, we're not well-liked. They're seeing that we're called homophobes and xenophobes, none of which is true. But that's what we're called, and the world is watching us. And they say, wow, you uh, used to party with us. You used to be part of our, our team, but not anymore. You see, that's our high calling. We're called out of this world to be followers of Christ. Verse 4, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them anymore to the same excess of riding. Uh, they speak evil of you. 
but they're watching. They notice that we're different. You see, the problems are becoming our opportunities. We've got a chance to grow in grace. We need to take hold of responsibility. The reward is worth the suffering. There's glory some sweet day. Praise God for these trials in our way. It says, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Nobody's going to get away with anything. All these evil people in high places, all the corrupt uh, uh, politicians, all the corrupt uh, money people in high places uh, getting rich. The rich are getting richer by fraud. It says in James chapter 5, the, as the economies of the world are caving in, they've cheated, they've lied, they've stolen from us. God's going to take care of all that. You see where he's gone with this? You might put it in bad English. Ain't nobody getting away with nothing. But you know what? He's got it. He's the judge of the universe, and he's placed us here uh, as he placed them in their generation. He says in verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. It means it may seem like forever for us till Jesus comes. But he says the end of all things is at hand. It's, it's getting near. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Keep your eyes on Jesus. His coming is near when you begin to see all these things come to pass. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. And it says here, and I'll, I'll just wrap up for time's sake here. The last verse of chapter 4 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. You know, Joel Olstein will tell you, Every day is Friday. Uh, no, no, no. It is given on us on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in his name, but to suffer for his name's sake. I think there's going to be a little bit of time of suffering ahead of us. I hope it's not too much, but you know what? It's going to seem like nothing in the end. It's like the lady, the mother in travail, and the the pain's hurt, and that, that child is coming, and, she, and it hurts. But then in the fullness of time, that baby comes, and all that pain is forgotten. That's how it's going to be, the pain of living through these last days. And we don't know how much God's going to allow Satan to tighten his grip on the American church till Jesus comes. But I know one thing, it's not we're not appointed unto wrath. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 and chapter 5, verse 10. Uh, we are not appointed unto wrath, but to tame salvation to our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not going to face wrath. Jesus already took our wrath on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins. He's coming to deliver us from this present evil world. Revelation chapter 6, verse 17 says, The day of his wrath has come. The Antichrist came in early in chapter 6 on a white horse of peace, followed by a red horse of war, a black horse of famine, and a, a gray horse of death. And so if the wrath of God is here in chapter 6, we must have been departed. The rapture has already happened. Where did that happen? I think, <laughs> I'll take a bullet on this one, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 is the rapture. We see the transition, uh, Revelation 1, Christ is walking in the midst of the church, the glorified Christ. Chapter 2 and 3 is given messages to the church, the church, the church, the church, the seven churches of Asia, commending them where they're strong, rebuking them where they're in error, encouraging them when they're weak. Chapter 4, he says, verse 1, now after this, a transition has happened. Uh, a door is opened in heaven. Jesus said, I'm the door. A trumpet sounds. Every rapture verse has a trumpet. And a voice cries, come up hither, and he's in a heavenly scene. 
seen multitudes of people rejoicing in the Lord, calling on his name, crying out, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive wisdom and power and dominion and glory both now and forever. Who is that? It's the church of Jesus, and the church of Jesus is never mentioned again in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, the Antichrist has written in chapter 7, 144,000 Jewish witnesses. The time of Jacob's trouble has come, not the church's trouble. The church's trouble is now standing for Jesus in the last days. And it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. He's with us. He called us. He chose us. Keep your eyes on him. Keep your heart uh, on fire in the word of God. Be in his house. Share the love of God with people. Love one another fervently. Rejoice. We're almost home. I remember we were playing hide and seek as a kid. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, we're eighty-nine, ninety, ninety-five, a hundred. What? Ready or not, here I come. And I think that's what Jesus is about to do. Ready or not, here he comes. Hey, thanks for tuning me in today. God bless you. See you next time. Bye bye for now. Jesus loves you. So do I. Bye for now.